Welcome to the Focus Podcast, or the Focus On Podcast. I haven't even said it yet, but we're coming to you this morning with a few uh, question and answer sessions, uh, just to test out the new gear that we've got. Uh, we're going to answer three questions from my feed and three questions from Paul's feed on Instagram. Picked out the best ones there, so a couple that are sport and science related and then a couple that are more sort of socially based and we'll delve into the topics as best we can here so sort of opening up a can of worms here with the first question um but it's probably a good place to start it's actually a client of mine that's asked us here um he has said has social media benefited the industry for good or for bad in short what do you think um, it's one of those ones that really depends. Um, both really is. It gives you much better access to information, and it gives us trainers, especially, it gives us a much better platform to get our information out there. But at the same time, it also allows for a whole lot more shit, basically. Um, I suppose the whole influencer thing as well. Um, is taking over and people pushing all sorts of fad diets, fad programs, um, and it hasn't really, it's got away from becoming about fitness. It's now about, completely about image, and um, I suppose, sort of a, life a lifestyle you should be trying to attain. It's got away from simply being healthier, being stronger, being fitter. Um, but it's really down to how, how people use social media themselves and how they filter out the the good and bad, really. Yeah. It's basically, it's like walking through TK Maxx, you know, there's nuggets of gold there somewhere, but you just have to scrape through all the shit to get. Uh, I don't, I think as you get older, um, as you get older, you, you're more aware of who the cons are and you're more aware of people who are legit but unfortunately if you're a teen and you're young and impressionable and vulnerable they can't spot the difference between the two so I think that's where it's that's where it becomes a danger uh, you've people who are willing to jump on and make money on the back of that those impressionable teens and young people and, and in my age you know that's that's where you have to draw the line that's where it's not acceptable as you're a bit older you can you can read between the lines and you can see who the idiots are but I don't know if you've got a blue tick on your Instagram um, you've got good ass or good abs you're I don't know it seems to be the gateway to make a shitload of money off programs and yeah I just again off vulnerable people yeah I mean that's the frustrating thing as a trainer is probably sitting down putting a lot of work into now that sort of we're all delving into the online side of things you know putting a lot of time um, and assessing your online clients and actually coming up with a program that's specific to them um, and then you know trying to trying to advertise that on social media or trying to get more clients whenever um, you're sort of fighting against um, people with a hundred thousand followers who basically just do booty workouts and, and post that up and they're saying their plans are specific but you know they're just handing out cookie cutter, cookie cutter plans to people um, it's sort of that can be frustrating at times but it is definitely it's become a really good platform 
for getting just even quick tips out to people if you want to if you see people doing some stuff in the gym wrong and maybe seeing a few people doing it, it's very easy just take out your phone make a quick video and, and help people out so it's great that way and it's great at helping drive people towards the gym yeah I suppose uh, we'll talk more about the positives of it because you could go on all day about the negatives so the positives of social media uh, there's some absolute gems of people you can follow like uh, where in years gone by you might have to have been banned like textbooks uh, and doing lots and lots of study you've got a sort of accessibility from your phone straight away to some of the best coaches in the world they're putting up videos on like an almost daily basis of technique based stuff and, and content that's just really really valuable to not just coaches but general gym users if you've got anyone there who basically knows their way around a gym in the slightest and just knows how to move properly there's some coaches out there you can follow that you know they'll they'll do the they'll basically give the sessions for you and you can follow on the likes of uh, Bracken Torres and uh, I follow a, a lad in, in Australia Mark Yarl uh, he's really good and he's sort of from Brett's school of, of glute training and then obviously from a sports science background the likes of your Mike Boyles and your Don Jones and stuff if you're following those you'll, you'll not go wrong DeFranco yeah, definitely. There's loads of coaches out there putting out, um, putting out a lot of good stuff, and they're, they're easy to find. Um, and another thing, just you'll know yourself when you see someone's um Instagram. If it looks like every single photo they've got is a, a staged shot photo, you know, I'd, I'd run away from that sort of stuff. But if they're posting yeah. up, sort of, they're keeping it real, basically. Um, they're down to earth, and their Instagram comes across down to earth. Then generally their information is pretty accurate and they're not just trying to always sell a program or sell a detox tea or, or anything of that nature yeah. yeah i think i think we, we're we are aware that as a gym and as coaches we probably undersell ourselves quite a bit like uh, we do need to do more content and that's something that we're obviously we've been flat out with the refurb and getting the gym to where we want it as it sits now but I think going forward next year like we're definitely need up our content game but we've always said there's a fine line between content and overkill and there's a few people that just definitely push the boundaries far too far and we I never ever want to get to the stage where I'm absolutely polluting people on Instagram with advertisements and you know for a start we don't need to do it and I think you're just selling your you're selling your soul. Like if you're if you're going down that route of trying to follow everyone else's lead, you're just a sheep. Then you know nothing's authentic about you anymore. And I just I just wonder about people's content sometimes. It, it's then almost sit down in a coffee shop and think about content that hard that is not natural. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean uh, I think the one thing without getting back to too many negatives on social media is that um, a lot of coaches don't seem to coach anymore simply because they're more about trying to build their online persona and their online platform um, and kind of give this image rather than actually being on the front lines coaching people I think that's one of the problems with online training as well there's so many people doing online training that don't actually or have never coached one to one and 
there's some really good online coaches out there, but I think you have to have that experience of actually coaching people one-to-one to know what people can handle in, in programs. Uh, I just think a lot of coaches have got to the stage where their social media is actually more important than what they're doing one-to-one with, with clients. If you can get that balance, it's absolutely a great thing to use, but if, if you're yeah. spending more time doing social media posts and you are coaching, then there's something seriously wrong there. Yeah, and it seems there's there's no rate of passage anymore in the industry. You know, it used to be you were lucky if you got a, a paid job. You, quite often you had to do like volunteer, voluntary work at the start. You had to make coffees, you had to clean bathrooms. You might have had to chip in with the odd program or take the odd classes and you had to gain trust. And it was almost the day, I, I mean, I worked in LA Fitness and when I was took on as a full-time employee and I was trusted to go and take classes and stuff, like in the, and we're talking about like these are your standard run-of-the-mill uh, circuit classes. I was buzzing because I thought that it was the, it was the next step in the start of a career. Uh, I had no aspirations of being a personal trainer for at least two years. I wanted to do as much sort of hands-on coaching on a gym floor with... Uh, programming on uh, circuit style classes as I could and that way I would build up a rapport with with gym users as well before it, uh, I sort of went into one-to-one PT and then when the time was right in Liverpool after I think two full years of fitness instructing I started being a PT but now you're getting kids at 18 who are doing an online course you know you're, you're maybe paying less than £100 for some of them and they're getting people who are obviously well clued in on the marketing front uh, and they're making them shit hot Instagram profiles and you know the people that don't know they could be in their eyes you know they're this up and coming coach so they're as, as good as me and you and in reality haven't put any oars in on the gym floor well that's the danger as well um, and the fact that you actually don't need to show or prove any qualifications to set up an online training platform and then start advertising yeah Yeah. there's no you don't have to do anything you can go on to the various platforms and say right pay whatever it is per month to use our platform and say right I'm going to get a few clients then you know very cheap you can get images done up start advertising with Instagram Facebook whatever you use you know it's pretty much free advertising you can get a few clients and you could be sending up, up to someone online who has never coached a single day in their life and not even done any sort of course. Um, I suppose that's a real one of the pitfalls of it. Yeah. Um, and something that can be frustrating. But if you if you spend enough time looking through people's profiles, you'll be able to tell the good ones from the bad. Yeah. Um, and if it's all stays and shadows, as I say, run away from it. Go and find someone who's more down to earth. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've probably overkilled that question, but it's 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 so so vast an area that you know you could you could do a full podcast on of itself and i've actually lined someone up in january uh my coach on an online coach in general tony mcalevy um he's probably the man to, to talk that side of things about as well so we'll definitely be asking him that question and getting his uh views on it so if we move on to another question i've got here it's more recovery based one uh any experience with CBD oil on recovery from training or injury? Uh, you don't use CBD oil? No, 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 no,
uh, from an injury perspective, no, absolutely not. Like that kind of, you know, injury protocol will be injury protocol, physio, um, and listen to their recommendations and obviously your your rehab as planned. Now, it, it, it helps with recovery process, but what I use it for more than anything is to help me with my sleep. So yes, like it's it's really good on the inflammatory property. So if you're taking it the night after a session, um, and you're you're looking to help the, you're looking at the help of a bit of muscle recovery. There's no problem in it there at all. But I take it just for predominantly for sleeping. I would be a notoriously bad sleeper. Um, and I, it's something that I've really tried to improve the last few months. So I would use it alongside a magnesium tablet before I go to bed and some chamomile tea and I'll try to uh, avoid screen time on my phone probably about 45 minutes or an hour out from bed now it's, that's easier said than done if you're coming home at 9 o'clock at night and you haven't looked at your phone in 4 or 5 hours and you're you're coming home to messages from clients and stuff like that but uh, I, I, I purely use it as an actual recovery tool it's, it's not the miracle like you know you're, you're not going to just see mad improvements straight away but in terms of helping me sleep and fall into like I've had some real real tranquil sleeps of um, vaping like a good high dose C- uh, CBD oil now again is that CBD oil by itself or is it a combination of the chamomile tea and uh, everything else that I sort of do to help me sleep so it's, it's, it's really hard to say but I would definitely throw it in as a as another supplement to your your sort of regime but I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be sort of placing a sole reliance on it that it's gonna it's gonna be a miracle worker. So Yeah it's like anything really I mean you need to try stuff out for yourself as long as it doesn't interfere, you know, if if you're playing sport at a certain level or there's any sort of testing, just make sure that whatever C B D oil you go for doesn't breach any um sort of testing protocols there. Um, <laughs> dogs just follow the bird there in the garden um, but yeah um, try it out for yourself and see, see how it works for yourself it's the same with any recovery protocol really ice baths and um, you know compression any of those things if it works for you then you know go ahead as long as you know you're not breaching any um, any standards in your sport yeah and if you don't compete you don't get tested don't worry about it <laughs> Um, right, the last one I want to finish up on then this is probably something that you can answer it's from an athlete uh, Gaelic footballer soccer player as well who's obviously just a bit worried about uh, starting a strength programme with the, the volume of football that he plays but can squatting heavy make you run faster like what's the he just wants to load down on that not only can it make you run faster, but it's probably one of the main things you should be doing to try and run faster. But we'll take heavy as a, a relative term. Um, you don't just want to be going out and doing heavy squats for the sake of it. Um, you need to squat heavy in relation to your own body weight, so it's your relative strength. But the reason heavy squats can make you run faster is because um, running is all about producing force. You want to produce as much force as possible in a shorter time as possible. So in terms of heavy squatting, that's working towards producing 
maximum force, but you do also want to incorporate exercises then that work the other end of the force velocity curve, which is the velocity end, which is your speed exercises, which is plyometrics and um, sprint work, um, ballistic stuff like throws, jumps, um, but absolutely squatting. Um, it, it develops the nervous system, heavy squats will develop the nervous system to help produce force. And if you work at the right sort of um, sets and reps, you're not going to add loads of muscle mass. You know, if you're working at the lower sort of rep schemes, maybe three to five reps, um, you're building that strength, you're developing that nervous system without actually increasing um, your muscle mass too much that you would with like a sort of bodybuilding state approach. Um, so absolutely, it can make you faster, but you need to make sure that you're also doing some work at the other end of the force velocity curve that you're not letting your body weight just get out of control. So you still want to maintain sort of being as light as you can for your position. Um, Where do you reckon that fear in general comes from? Like that that sort of old school mentality obviously still exists that lifting weights slow you down, you know. Do you reckon that's a, a generational thing where parents are sort of saying to their kids oh don't be doing those weights they'll make you big and slow yeah i mean you sort of look at if guys do a bit of weights and they're maybe doing you know they are adding a bit of muscle on you know if they're not increasing their strength too much with that added muscle they are going to probably slow down with it just because of the size they've increased if they haven't increased this their their strength with it yeah you know if that basically we're talking about that relative strength your strength in relation in ratio to your body weight if your body weight's going up and the strength's not increasing at the same um, rate, then you will get sore. But if your strength's increasing at the same rate as that slight increase in, in body mass, then you know, you're not going to lose any speed as long as you're still doing the right movements on the pitch. Um, the whole idea of weights slowing you down is that people assume weights make you bulky. And that comes right back around to the sort of myth there for a while that you know, women didn't want to do weights, but I think slowly but surely everyone's starting to realise that if done at the right set reps, volume load, that they're beneficial to almost every athlete, almost every person. Yeah, I think when it comes to females sort of asking that question, I don't get it too much anymore, but it was sort of five, ten years ago, that's what it would have been asked quite regularly. I just always tell them to sort of like take a look at us like we've been trying to get big for 10 years we're not big and we're producing a shit lot more testosterone than what you are so don't be panicking um when it comes to like the sports that we sort of get asked about most are probably things like um gaelic soccer rugby and i think if if guys are sort of worried that doing weights are gonna slow them down you only have to look at a sport i know like this is a a completely elite level but look at a sport like nfl where all those guys are doing a lot, a lot of strength work from a young age, from you know 11, 12, 13. And I mean, they're running, their, their speed is absolutely frightening. And it's not just straight line speed because they're cutting and twisting and turning and reacting. So their agility is there too. And you know, they're running in, in a short space, they're getting up the speeds of 20 miles per hour, but not, not even probably up at their top velocity. Best best doctors in the world over in America too obviously well yeah there's that too which helps helps with um, keeping the the body mass in the right right place with increased strength but yeah I think uh, that's 
my three questions wrapped up there. Um, I sort of yeah, I did say we'll, we'll take three from from each. So if you want to fire away a couple of yours, then work away. Let me know um, what's been yeah, well, the first one, sort of take it back away from the sort of training side of things. I was just, where do we see the gym in five years' time? Closed. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's a pure pure interview question there. Job interview. Um, look, I, I don't know what your thoughts on it are, but I've been coaching for coming up to 15 years now, and I don't want to be standing on the gym floor at 6 o'clock in the morning, uh, the 9 o'clock at night in five years' time. Uh, ideally, I want to cut back. Uh, now, this is purely selfish perspective what I'm going to go f- with first, but I want to cut back on my coaching hours, and uh, in order to do that there, I think, the goal obviously has to be to put a, a certain infrastructure in place in the gym that allows us to do that. Um, like my head would definitely be getting geared towards bringing coaches through, uh, working a lot more on getting a really strong internship going. Um, I want to I want to bring in a serious sort of serious level right across the board, so you know that whenever you're away on holiday or whenever you're away from the gym, the standard of coaching still sort of maintained and, and to do that there in, in today's environment, it's going to take time because it goes back to what we are talking about at the start. A, the coaches aren't out there and B, if they are out there, they don't want, they want a quick fix, they don't want to, don't want to do internships, they don't want to do the sort of process and the graph that, you know, all the sort of older school coaches have, have had to do. So I, I see the gym like, really person on you know we've, we've had the refurb there the gym sitting at the minute is it's more or less how we sort of envisioned it a couple of years ago with that still got that big open plan layout and then obviously putting in that mezzanine second tier now is just sort of brought us on again uh, we're going to be taking all our our teams up there and all our conditioning classes and our group training and the, the, the gym floor downstairs and it isn't affected so you know, I can obviously there will be further improvements along the way with additional equipment and stuff. But from a sort of system point of view, I think it's it's important that we we really start bringing on the the coaches that are working alongside us now. And you know, it, it's time to it's their time to shine. Really, start bringing the young ones through. Like we've got a couple of good interns there at the minute, and obviously the staff that we have on board are they're crackers. So it's just sort of keeping everyone happy, keeping everyone. Uh, under the one roof and, and pushing on from there. Yeah, I'd like to get to a stage where we're sort of hiring exclusively from our our intern program. So that's whether we're bringing in um, new self-employed personal trainers or we're bringing in new staff under our employment. I'd love it to be a stage where it's exclusively from our internship program. Um, it's something we've been building up and trying to refine as we as we've went along. Um, and now we've got a few good interns in there. Um, we're really happy with what they're doing just getting them up to the standard we're happy to, to leave them in charge of sort of our small group some of our small group and um, personal training that we've started and um, you know stepping into classes and just have everyone at a standard that our customers know if they come in for a session that they're going to get a really high level of coaching and um, in terms of maybe how people how the gym will look um you know, we've done that most recent refurb and there's not a whole lot more we could do at this stage, but rather than 
a few bits of kit here and there that are going to help um, provide more options um, for members. You know, a few leg machines, maybe a few yeah. maybe belt squat or leg press things like that. And maybe a few more bits of cardio kit is it's, yeah. it's all proven really popular at the moment. It's a double-edged sword when it comes to equipment too, because yes, we want to bring more kit in, but at the same time, it's a space issue. You know, we're we're going to create. We've created another two thousand square foot. Um, do we really want to lug loads of equipment into the gym that we don't need? So we have to be obviously really sort of selective about what we bring in and what is going to be what is going to be used the most, what the the members are going to get the most benefit from, and obviously whatever is going to take up the least possible space as well. It's just an issue when you've got. You mightn't see it, but if you train at our place any time between 10 o'clock in the morning and 4 o'clock in the afternoon, like you'll you'll not see the issues that we have, but if you were to come in at 7 o'clock at night, uh, especially when there's pre-season going on for some of the teams, the local teams, it's, it's absolutely hectic and space is a priority, so it's, it's always something that's in the back of our minds. Yeah, I suppose on a personal level too then, in sort of five years' time, um We've really took strides in, in setting up a powerlifting team recently and I'd really like to see some of the guys in our, in our powerlifting team sort of step up to elite level competition. Um, so we had a net at the Commonwealth Games just there recently, a few months ago. Um, I'd like to have more guys sort of competing at that level or even up to the, the European um, and world, world level. Like that'd, be, that'd be a great achievement in five years' time, but we've got... Um, a lot more of the equipment in place that we need to do that and a lot more of the people in place that we need to do that so uh, yeah really like a, a really competitive part of the team based in the gym in the next five years yeah and I think too with sort of talking about that I think we've identified that what would do more than hold our own if we're to enter some of those functional inverted commas uh, style games um, you know the likes of Reynold, who's a unreal Olympic lifter, um, and with the likes of me, of T, McGlone, Nash, like complete conditioning machines, and we know that if they were to stay injury free and the football season, you know, was time well around one of them events, that if I reckon if they got eight or twelve weeks solid training at some of them, uh, I don't even want to say a CrossFit because it's not CrossFit, is it? It's a watered down CrossFit. Yeah, so a lot of them have sort of um, maybe don't have the the more technical aspects to them, yeah. like the snatch. Um, don't know what all them do. They sort of kipping. Yeah, so uh, I I could definitely see us entering a, I could definitely see us entering a team into some of them games and doing really really well. And then I suppose, on a personal level, I would like to drive my. Uh, me online a lot more and, and it's something that uh, I'm sort of I'm, I'm fully booked as, f- as far as like one to one sessions go and I would, I would find it hard to help out any more people than what I possibly am so uh, just with like time constraints and stuff so I know that the online is should be somewhere that I, I really person in the next couple of years and I think again it, it comes down to your Instagram profile and how you market yourself and it's something that I don't do I don't do enough of and I don't do really well because again it's what we're talking about. Like there's a line and 
I don't want to sell my soul to the devil, but I'm aware that I do need to put myself out there a bit more. And I don't know, are you ready to let people into your personal life the way some people do? You know, it's like, I love like following, you know, Wally Marching and like TM Cycles and people like that. And like, I think they provide, they provide unreal content on, I love flicking through their stories every morning, but part of me sort of says, I don't think I could ever let someone see that side of things, you know, that I like having a certain level of anonymity and I don't know, it's it's not it's not for everyone, but I, I do realise that they are playing the game and they're playing it really, really well. Uh, so it's, I suppose it's, a, it's trying to find that balance of letting people into your life a bit, knowing that you, what you do, but without sort of letting them in too much and, and giving everything away and just being an absolute social media slut. Anything else? I think that's good for yeah. that question. Um, next question then is more back to the, the training side of things. Now this is one that you could do a full podcast on, but we'll maybe try and just give a sort of shortened down answer for this one. But um, this one's from Callum, who's doing good good things over in England at the minute with his own personal training work. Um, really like his Instagram, the information he's putting out, Mucker Fitness, if you want to follow him. Um, but he's just said, what are the top ways to progress strength? Um, basically, short, short answer is, that, like, you could do a whole podcast and it's going into everything, but the main thing is you need to have progressive overload. Um, that just means from week to week, you need to be great progressing a certain variable of your program and um, now there's different ways you can change variables so you've got your volume which is basically your sets by reps you've got the load which is the amount of weight on the bar and um, you've got your frequency how often you train each movement or body part um, you've also got your speed um, which can be changed you can either slow it down more tempo which is more time on retention more work or you can actually increase the speed doing high velocity reps which actually increases the amount of tension used in the muscle the amount of force needed basically there's so many variables you can change but as long as you are increasing some of those variables you will progress your strength especially if you're a beginner it doesn't take a whole lot to uh, get strength gains at the start um, I, th- I think one of the most common problems I see is people don't stick to a current program or cycle long enough that will change maybe there's people come in and they'll literally they'll make up sessions on the spot they'll change their exercises on a daily basis and they don't give the exercise time for legitimate progression so I mean I absolutely rinse and repeat my current split until I can't get any more out of each exercise and then and only then will I maybe bring in like it might be the same movement but just a slightly different variation of that movement so like I honestly think I was on the same sort of split there for at least 12 or 16 weeks and as long as I was seeing progressive overload like you say on those exercises whether it be a slight increase in weight or whether it be adding a slight bit of volume on with sets and reps I will just keep going until I can't sort of force that movement anymore uh, but again I'll, I'll put that down to the likes of your 
your online well not your online trainers but your influencers so to speak because they're putting up you know so many variations of on a on a glute workout where they're doing like shit loads of kickbacks and stuff like that but to feel to tell you that the reason why their ass and their legs look like that is because they're they've probably got really good at squatting you know what I mean yeah I mean if, it, if it's going to increase in your strength you still want to stick to the big compound movements are always going to be your best bet squat press deadlifts or variations of those um, then just just pick a variable that you want to you want to increase um, most people will just go for the load you know maybe do the same sets and reps try and increase the weight slightly or even reduce the reps slightly and increase the weight um, it's really quite simple, but as Dara said there, don't get uh, caught up in program hopping and thinking um, you have to change the exercises all the time. People say, oh, shock the body. To be honest, it's a load of nonsense. You have to be training, you have to be training very specifically, um, very intensely for a long time before your body starts to sort of resist that adaptation. And in which case, it doesn't even need huge changes to exercise selection to overcome that um that uh, resistance to the adaptation literally changing from you know a, a squat to a front squat might help get over that sort of barrier and um, don't need a program up stick to the basics um do them often and just pick a variable try and increase it each week and then after maybe four to six week period you might want to take a week where it's lighter just deload let your body recover and then go again and then maybe that stage you're and picking a different variable to increase but to be honest the best way to do it is get yourself a good coach whether it's online or in person get a program and stick to it adhering to the program is number one over any anything else you do if you stick to a program you will get strength gains I think uh, you mentioned that there intensity like I don't know how many times like I've seen people between now it's probably a bit different from you powerlifters because you both take about half an hour in between sets <laughs> like full packet full packet is the off in between the set but I've seen so many people that go to a gym and it's meant to be it's meant to be in my eyes anyway it's meant to be a one hour or 45 minutes away from the shit that goes on outside the gym so you've got your your daily work life you've got your home life it's a chance to get away from it i don't know why people choose to spend the majority of their time in a gym sitting glued to their phone when that's what they're going to do the rest of the night anyway like put your phone the only reason that i would have my phone beside me on a workout is either well i've got it for a timer or i'm going off my i'm, I'm looking at my program or it's a, an online coaching app because it's just too much of a distraction put your headphones on stick to your recovery periods on people I don't think people really know what intensity is until they train with someone legit who sticks to certain rest periods and who tries to hit a certain a certain amount of volume per session um, but it, like even on that the last sort of last few months I've dropped my volume away back and I've concentrated on nailing two or three really really high quality sets you know before I would have been doing five six sets you know sometimes German volume training and the quality of the later rounds was very, very questionable on a sort of, you're at the point there of diminishing return and I've always sort of said like, if, if you can nail those early sets really, really well, you know, you're, obviously my goals are completely different than yours now, but I'm, I'm looking at creating time under tension and really focusing on activating the muscle in question and 
that's a far better go-to than just slapping on like set after set where the quality suffers. So intensity, uh, intensity is definitely key in short. Yeah, I think I'll wrap that question up. We could probably do a whole set, do a whole podcast on it, going to each individual variable a wee bit more. But to keep this podcast a wee bit shorter, we'll we'll cut that one there. Um, last one then was two questions really, but we'll to kind of go hand in hand a wee bit if you're familiar with with Westside. But Toby has asked, how do you incorporate plyos and other general exercises? And I assume that sort of means into into powerlifting because Toby's from powerlifting background. Um, and also thoughts on on Westside's methods. Um, I suppose I'm talking about the players from two points of view. Um, with my powerlifting guys, I don't do a whole lot of players with them. Um, sometimes if they've come off a competition and there's going to be a long time for their next competition, um, I'll do some players towards the start of their session. Um, but to be honest, most of the guys are. If you talk about serious strength training, I've probably done serious strength training for less than four years, so they're really still considered beginners and with that you just want to pick the low hanging fruit as I say so go for the most basically the most obvious things to work so they're going to be squatting benching and deadlifting and then some accessories for those it's going to make up the, the majority of their program now where we will use plyos it is with all our, our athletes, athletes. Yeah. Um, for me the way I program plyos in is I'll generally have them basically as a sort of the end of the warm up stroke start of the workout so they've done their mobility activation work in their in their warm up, and then we'll go into some explosive work. Then before they go into their their main strength, strength phase, yeah. exercise in terms of sets and reps for plyos, um, it would depend on the exercise. But I kind of look at anywhere from sort of the fifteen to thirty total rep mark when I do plyos. So you know if you're doing some jumping work, it might be like um, five sets of three to five or somewhere in that range. Um, but as I said, don't use it a lot with, with my powerlifters, um, except in maybe the off-season when I'm just giving them a wee bit more variety. Um, but with, with our athletes, we'll use it a lot. And maybe Dara will talk a wee bit more. He's sort of training yeah, well, I would, more Gaelic ones at the minute. I would use it quite a lot with... I would use it with all of my Gaelic footballers. Um, like you said, after your warm-up and activation phase of uh, the, the session, I would always go into... I land the mechanics drill and then start with some sort of power and play work before before going on to a main strength compound. Uh, the reason the reason behind the sort of land the mechanics stuff, like with the Gaelic footballers, especially the SEL crisis over the last sort of few years has dominated the injury scene. And I, I don't know, it goes in waves, you know, sometimes it's, it seems to be SELs and then the next thing it's hips, like hips is massive at the minute. As I can testify to, but uh, I would I would use it as a tool on training the body to absorb force more than anything. So getting really really efficient with their landings on on you know deceleration as well, and then going into the likes of plyo work. Then I would keep everything short and snappy, and before we head into you know your your like I said your main strength element of the session. But I don't see why any sort of and he, uh, again it's all sort of time based on around the, the part of the season that they're on so and at the minute leading up to Christmas all my Gaelic footballers like I just got them on brute strength programs like get them yeah. get them as strong as I can so I'm not worried too much about it at the minute but come January here when they're, they're, their feet are going to be hitting the floor again they're going to be running for the first time 
I'd like to get the I'd like to get the body prepared for some of the stuff that's going to sort of encounter them in pre-season that they're no doubt all dreading. So I will be definitely introducing landing mechanics and a lot of play work to uh, the majority of their sessions from January on. And then obviously as you hit sort of championship time, the the strength emphasis sort of takes more of a backward step. Uh, the power and speed will become the main element of the session. Strength still stays in there, but it's just sort of a sprinkle in to keep everything topped up um sort of like i used to listen to like the franco's methods on it when he had like his nfl boys uh, he was saying that maybe one strength session two strength sessions a week was sometimes enough to keep their max strength that they put on in pre-season they would try and maintain within say 80 percent 80 percent pre-season and the off-season they would try and maintain that when they you know by the end of their their season as such um but yeah, even with, with Gaelic ones there and, and say even soccer and rugby, it, it, again it comes down to sort of picking that, that low hanging fruit and so many guys could increase their strength so much which is going to help with that force. So they probably don't need to do as many plyometrics, especially in the off season, maybe concentrate more on the strength stuff. Like Dar said, he's got most of them on just root strength programs at the moment, build that force production. And then as you get into the season when you maybe want to reduce the load you're putting on your body, then you might in, in incorporate more plyometrics. In terms of, I was saying I don't really use them for powerlifters that much, but in terms of if you did want to use them, I mean, at the end of the day, powerlifting is about lifting as much weight as possible in one rep. And really, to do that, you want to lift the weight as fast as possible because you're breathing, bracing, holding that air in. You want to get that rep done fast. So plyometrics will help with sort of... Um, developing that nervous system to, to move things quickly so of course you incorporate them in and um, I would say just put them in at the end of your wall as I say sort of maybe 15 to 30 reps the end of the wall is going to help fire up that nervous system before you go into your main lift was there a question on west side in yeah, that as well there was another question on west side just oh, thoughts oh, just oh. basically general thoughts on, on west side methods um, all I know about west side is there are a bunch of crazy bastards who <laughs> I had the most notorious gym in the world um, but their methods are not for definitely not for general population um, unless you're you're looking in Mike Tyson's voice spinal <laughs> sort of look at the well, look at the pros and, and cons I mean if you haven't watched the documentary just what's it called again Westside be the world Westside versus the world now uh, watch it because it's just a bit crazy but basically the, the pros and cons I'll sort of talk about it from um, athletes and then specifically powerlifters again um, I, I would use a sort of conjugate style with a lot of my athletes um, but I've done the, the Franco and Jim Smith course over, over in the States and they've sort of modified Westside's methods to sort of suit more um, like they're using them for obviously a lot of NFL players and stuff um, but the, the pros of the website is that because it's conjugate method, which means you have a max effort upper day, max That's effort lower day, repetition upper, and then a dynamic effort day, Speed, yeah. lower. Um, what it means is you're periodizing within the week instead of having, say, a four-week block where you're concentrating on building your volume, building muscle mass, then, a, say, a four-week strength block, and then, say, a four-week power block or a picking block if it was powerlifting. They're periodized within the week. So if you're working with amateur athletes, um, it's useful in that 
if they miss a week or miss a session, it's not throwing the whole block um, off the whole block off or the whole um periodization or that progressive overload off. It's sort of it's it's periodized more day to day and that can be really useful. In terms of using the max effort methods as such, um for powerlifters again, it's useful in that you're you're trying to um you're trying to mimic that strain that you'll do in a competition where you're lifting a heavy load. And I suppose if you do a max effort upper and a max effort lower lift every week, that's a lot of practice you're getting at pushing your body and doing that strain. And um, for me, for raw powerlifters, it's probably just not enough volume on the main lifts and when I say to sort of get all their volume work from the accessories. Um, I'd like to see a wee bit more volume. And again, a lot of their exercise selection and using the bands, using the chains, is more um, has more carry over to um, equipped lifting using suits. Um, I don't have any equipped guys training under me. It's all it's all raw. So um, I'd use sort of more um, conservative methods with them, more linear periodization rather than the conjugate method. But I do actually find it very useful for for athletes because of that periodization. Um, you don't have to change it too much off season and in season. You can kind of maintain that level throughout the year. Any have you ever used it or any thoughts? Yeah, like like you said, it's it's a case of do you want to sprinkle in? You can sprinkle in the various systems uh, over the course of a week, like various stimuluses, and and hit them all rather than concentrate on one and one block. So. Like you said, you know it does have its its benefits and its drawbacks. It's like if if your athlete gets sick for the course of a week, like you said, and they miss a full week of training out of a max strength block or out of a speed block, you know there there's going to be a uh, you know they're not going to see the benefits from that. There, where like if you're west side, you just you can jump straight back in the following week and you can still hit all areas that you missed the previous week. So I can. I can obviously see uh, where it's beneficial, but again, it's a uh, it's definitely not a it's not a tool I'd be using on on general population. Like I said at the start, but for athletes, it, it definitely holds its it bears its weight uh, in an argument for for sort of strength and athletic development. There's no, I think it's, it would work great if there's no sort of see for the likes of your Gaelic footballers where their season now goes on for like the, the seasons are getting longer yes. there's no set goal and like if you had a say you knew you were getting to a championship final every single year uh, or there was a like a, a rugby grand final every single year and you knew you were going to be competing in that you can base your program on around that in four or six week block building up to that uh, but we, we don't know what's going to happen uh, with the football season now the, the length that it goes on to the amount of back doors that there is in championships so it's in essence, it's a it's a good way of operating your your Gaelic athletes um for longevity right through the season. You know, there's no real set peaking point, but instead by covering all areas, you're sort of you're ready to go at all times. Like yeah, I mean, again, coming down to adherence, the number one part of any program is your adherence. If you're sticking to the program and you're enjoying it and you're putting the work in, it's going to get better results than the best program in the world on paper. So if you enjoy that style of training, that conjugate method, um, and you're a powerlifter or you're an athlete, by all means, go ahead and, and do it. Because if you can stick that, if you're enjoying it, it's going to get you better results 
than half-assing maybe a program, just a straight linear program that you're, you don't enjoy as much. Um, so by all means, give it a go, try it out for a cycle um, and see how it works for yourself because some people will um, adapt better to certain things. You know, if you're already quite good at lifting heavy but you want to maybe develop that speed aspect a bit more, if that's where you sit in the force velocity curve, working on that velocity might be the low hanging fruit for you, so go for that. But yeah, try it out, see how it, how it feels for you and if you enjoy it, incorporate it in. Spot on. We'll, we'll wrap it up with a question there on running a business. Oh, wrap that's, it up with that's that. the most challenging thing about running a gym. Do you want me to start with? Right. I'll let you start with. And see thoughts bubbling under. No, I think the obviously the most challenging part is that there's three of us. So no matter how much you're racking you're off the same hymn sheet as someone's not always the case you know we're three individual people trying to run the business through the eyes of each other if that makes sense but obviously you always want to put your own personal touches into how you run it so it's it's inevitable that you know there's going to be disagreements and there's going to be fallouts about you know the way how it's ran and what equipment we get in but I think we're lucky and we're lucky in the fact that the three of us are all very much off the same mentality when it comes to training uh, you know that's that's been that's never been in doubt you know the the goal is always the goal is always the goal as far as our coaching methods and stuff are concerned where we've never once had an argument about you know what way we should coach our clients or what way we should run our classes and what way we should program our programming methods are all fairly similar so um lucky enough there's absolutely no issue in that part at all but it's just obviously trying to keep trying to keep the three of us happy first and then once we come to agreement on systems and things like that then passing that down the, the pipeline to everyone else and making sure that we're we're creating sort of the best member experience possible so in my eyes that's that's the hardest part of it like you know i don't think people probably don't realize that you know how much goes into it behind the scenes and like i say you know the, the three of us are like i i see you boys more than i see anybody else you're constantly in each other's company uh you're constantly messaging in the whatsapp group it, it is relentless and it can get on top of you at times and if you don't take your weekends away or you don't take your 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 breaks away from it all you know it it can it can eat you up so it is important that you you do try and find that work-life balance um for me it's probably um the hardest thing about running the gym is probably actually finding that line between having the personal touch and getting on with everyone first it being a business at the end of the day um, it's probably something we've got definitely the three of us have got a lot better at recently um, but for a while it was sort of run we are sort of running a little bit more as a club trying to please yeah, everyone and you know at the end of the day we weren't making we weren't making any, any money really because we were we were too sort of lenient our systems weren't in place and it's really the hardest thing is just getting that to where it's a, at the end of the day it is a business first and just taking a bit less shit from people you know regards to we're just too lenient on yeah. memberships and different yeah. things and I think people think too that you know 
we've nine to five jobs and then we go and do that there as a because we're passionate about it you know I think well, you have to take emotion out of business and that's something that we've probably learnt the hard way I've probably learnt over the last couple of years from our, from our mistakes like you said about being too lenient and just letting things go and at the end of the day it'll only come back to bite you in the ass. and the, the last year from we've tried to bring in these systems and like look look what's happened you know we're on their second refurb the membership base is bigger than ever. Like the the teams that we've got coming into the gym and the teams that we've got going out of the gym, like the powerlifting team, everything's just, you know, excused upon going from strength to strength. And it, it, it's it's obviously down to us having to get a hell of a lot more serious over those things, like you say, and and just sort of making deci- making uncomfortable decisions, and, yeah, and yeah, sticking so sticking to our guns. Like you know, there's gonna be certain members who you might be really fond of and. You know, you know that maybe a decision you make, they're not going to like, but at the end of the day, if it's the best decision for the business, you have to do it. And it's not just a, a hobby like this is yeah. our mortgages or yeah. our rates or bills, everything. Um, relies on that place and got the stage now. Ross Alves have literally pumped everything into making that, that gym what it is. Um, I suppose it is just getting your business head on and sort of taking the emotion out of it, as Dar said. Um, yeah, written strictly from a business point of view. Yeah, like we're we're heading on our Christmas party today here. Members, staff, Christmas party down in Belfast. On, I just hope Grangey's got his communion money with him because that's the only way I'm getting out. Right, we'll wrap it up there. Yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, hopefully, we'll. Uh, We'll be keeping these going on a further regular basis um, and we'll have guests and stuff in the new year with a few lined up ready. So if you have any topics or any anything you want to um, get across to us that might be a good idea for the podcast, um, get on to our various Instagrams. Um, what's your Instagram, Dora? Epstein didn't kill himself. Uh, Epstein didn't kill himself. My Instagram is Dora Focus. Isn't it? Dora, so Dora Focus Strength. Get him at, at Dora Focus Strength, and you can get me at, at Focus underscore Strength Coach Paul. Any suggestions at all, let us know, and we'll try and get a few podcasts covering the topics you want to hear about. See, totally was shit at social. Don't even know me on Instagram, pack. <laughs> right? Thanks.